Okay. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? My name is Ryan, and like Matt, I'm, I'm just part of the family here at Anchor. I'm so excited uh, for, for several reasons. So we've been going through this series on the Trinity. Um, Andy Thrasher, Professor Thrasher there, took us a little crash course on the Trinity. And last week, Dave Kim took us through that Jesus, that we're sent by the Son, and I get to talk about the Holy Spirit. And why am I so excited about that? Because it's like God introduced me to, to the Holy Spirit, you know, just, just recently. I mean, I've, I've, been, I've been in church for a long time, but it's like I got this new perspective that, that so radically changed me. So about 10 years ago, I'm leading a, a Bible study. It's about college-age guys, and this thing was exegetical. It was hermeneutical. We were building our doctrinal vocab, and I'll never forget this young man named, named Aaron. He was a Lance Corporal in the Marine Corps. He's about 19 years old. He goes, hey, Ryan, what about, what about the Holy Spirit? And I'm shocked to this day of, of my response to this young man. I go, oh, don't worry about that, man. That's like for like emotional people or something. I don't know. Because for me growing up, I, I, it was God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Scriptures. And I, we kind of like, because in, in the 90s and the 80s, there were there some things that happened. And so like we were, it was this reaction towards it. But, it. but about seven years after that, I had this experience with God that was so real. It was so tangible. It was so life-changing that... Ever since then, I can't, I can't do anything the same. I've like, had this wrestling match with God, and, and I walk with a limp everywhere. I mean, I don't, I don't worship the same. I don't parent the same. I don't do marriage the same. I don't do anything the same. I can't even look at a song and not become unglued when I see a lyric like, like you, you've set us free from shame and guilt, or I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame's undone. I, I, I hear something like that, and I go, yes. Thank God for what he's done in my life as well as my friends' lives and my, my brothers' and sisters' lives, and I just, I just lose it. And then I, I've also had this agreement with my family that, that I'm going to spend every single day in, in church here. I, we're not, we don't go to church. We are the church that goes to a building. But every time we come here, I, I said, I, my, I'm going full-on surrender, praying for God to continue the healing that he's, can, that he's brought to my family breaking generational curses of anger, breaking all kinds of sin patterns. And so that's what I'm doing. My friends are like, what, what got into you, man? And I was like, it's the Holy Spirit. And God the, God the Father loved me, Jesus saved me, and the Holy Spirit touched me, and I've just never been the same. So with that, I, my, my word is my wife here. So I'm, I'm married to my best friend, Jeanette. No, we're not part of the youth group here. We're actually, we're actually <laughs> adults. And we have four kids. Um, and I drive a station wagon, so I'm like, I'm like a bona fide adult. <laughs> um, but, but Jeanette and I, are, 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 we're just two restored restorers, and we're in the ministry together. This is not, this is not my thing. We, we, we do it together. Uh, we pray together. We, we, and it's, it's ever been since the Holy Spirit said, you're mine. So I want to share that. That's, that's the background behind this passion. Um, and so, so with that, let me... Um, Let's go to our passage. How about that? Romans 8. And before you turn there, I'm going to do something really crazy. I just, I'm just going to ask you to roll with it, okay? We're just going to play along. Okay, I got I to gotta get this thing going. I'm going to ask you a question, and you're going to come back at me and, and try to prove me wrong. But it's for a point, okay? So here's, here's the thing. Name something that Jesus did that wasn't duplicated by another person or that it couldn't be duplicated by another person. Okay, floor is yours. Go ahead. Don't be shy. Tim, say it, say again. He he did what? 
He shed his blood for our sins. Okay, so um, let me see. Okay, thanks, Tim. I wasn't expecting that one. Um, so so he, it looks like he laid down his life for, for others, right? So I'm, I'm thinking in, in John, a greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. So I, I have met people who have laid down their lives for their friends. Uh, but, but I get what you're saying, but as far as laying down his life, um, that's, that's been done before. What, what else? What else? Yes. In, in, heal the blind man. Okay, so I'm looking at some passages in Scripture. Um, Jesus talking to the disciples. Look at Matthew 10. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. Um, and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's, tell, he's talking to his guys, the apostles. You'll heal the sick. You'll raise the dead. You'll cleanse lepers. You'll cast out demons. And then... And then Acts, I mean, Acts chapter 3, remember, they're asking, they're asking Peter, hey, can you, uh, so he, he, Peter responds to this guy, he goes, silver and gold have I none, but such I get to thee in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. I mean, so, so constant healing that we saw in the apostles and disciples in the early church. Lumen, yes. So uh, Jesus said that he will send a comforter, that was the Holy Spirit, so he's okay. the one who sends the Spirit after he ascended. Oh, man, you guys are getting me looking good. Okay, I wasn't expecting these good ones. Um, yeah, yeah, so he, he, he sent the Holy Spirit, but um, I, I'm, the point is, I'm, name something he did in his earthly ministry that wasn't duplicated. I mean, not from the, not from the God side, like, like covering the whole sins of the world, because that's obviously from the divine side, but from, from the human side. Anything else? Sure. And, and so if we, if we were told, <laughs> this is good. Thanks. Was that David? Okay. Gosh, man. Over for 3. Um, no, but we, but we can because he told us to love. So I don't think Jesus would ask us to do something that wasn't capable of being done. So we assume that if Jesus tells me to love or forgive, then, then it can be done. What else? Yes, water, water and wine is a good one. So, that's, so if we categorize what Jesus did, that's, that's like power over nature, right? So when I think about power over nature, um, let me see, Matthew 16. Remember he says here in Matthew 21, 21, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, get up, go into the sea, and it'll happen. That's pretty powerful. Jesus said that, so it must be true. Like, are you serious, Jesus? If, Get mountain, get up there and go into the ocean, and it'll do it. So it seems like he's released us that power over nature as well. I mean, I've never seen that done, but but he's but he's given us that. Anything else? Resurrection. Resurrection. Yeah, that I mean, but it's clear in, in Acts and First Corinthians, Second Corinthians that uh, that the Father, that God raised him from the dead. He raised Lazarus. Yeah, yes, he raised Lazarus from the dead. That's that's a good one, Debbie. Um, remember in Acts chapter nineteen or in twenty. Uh, who was preaching here? Paul was preaching. And in the third deck of this house, I mean, third deck's huge. I mean, picture like one of the youth. This is a youth here on the third deck. And Paul's preaching. He goes on and on and on. And some guy gets, he gets sleepy in the third deck window. It says, and he falls out of the window during the sermon. And he dies. And what does Paul do? This is classic. Look at this. He, Paul went down and bent over him and, and taking him in his arms said, Don't be alarmed. He's sort of like, I got it. He's like, dude, you better wake up, man. This makes me look real bad. And then, do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. Well, he's dead. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. And the, 
they took away the youth alive. I mean, this guy died, and he, I don't know if it was Paul, but he said, hey, dude, get up. That makes me look real bad. People aren't going to come back to church if you die here. So, so but we're told, and then in, uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 10, you're going to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. It's Matthew 10. So here's the point, okay? Before everybody gets too excited, like, ah, oh, this is a heretic. This is the whole point. The same spirit that empowered Jesus to do life on earth lives in you and me. Man, that's, that's, that's humongous. The same exact spirit that Jesus relied on every single day is in you and me, according to the scriptures. And so the passage today, let's, let's just go there. Romans 8, I'll be reading out of the ESV. If you don't have a Bible, um, there's some there in the back, or just download Bible.com and friend me on Bible app. Okay, so Romans 8.11. In Romans 8.11, Paul contrasts the, the life of the spirit with the life of the flesh. Paul talks about the complete freedom of life in the spirit and, and the death of life in the flesh. And here, this, this is the passage. And I'm just going to use this as a springboard, springboard for discussion. Uh, here's the reality as well. I'm probably not going to share anything that's new to anybody here. If you've, been, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you'll probably say, I've, I've heard that verse. I've seen that. So what I'm asking Holy Spirit here to do today is that since you are the teacher, God, you, you teach us a new way if we haven't seen it like this before and we walk out of here changed. Here's what the passage says. Verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So another version, anybody have the NLT? I think that's the best version of this because it says the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. The rest of our versions, the NIV, the ESV, the New King James, it says if. So I looked at it in the, Greek, in the original language. The New Testament is written in Greek. And the construction of this thing right here for if is called a first class condition. It assumes that what he's saying is true. So it can also be translated since. And this should give us some confidence here. It's not if, maybe, and, or, or. It's a first-class condition in the original language. So it's since this is true, there's no if, and, ands, or buts about it. It's since the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and then he begins to unpack it. Isn't that beautiful? Look at the next, look at these other words. The Spirit who raised him from the dead. Now, the Spirit who raised him, this is a reference to God the Father, who raised him, this means he gave him life. It means with Jesus in the grave, he was not only dead, he was dead, dead, dead. According to the Jewish tradition, they, it was like this magic number, like three, okay, so three days in there, he's really dead. Like Lazarus, he was really dead. And they're like, don't open that grave, man, that's going to stink. And he's really dead. So that's what made that thing so miraculous is that he was beyond that threshold. He's, he's totally dead. But the Spirit gave him life. What, what would you do if you, if you figured out you were immortal? I mean, for me, I, I, my mind is, I have such an imagination. I'd be like, oh, it'd be on. I'd be like, and I pictured myself in a war. I was so excited one time. I said, when Jesus comes back in the millennial kingdom and we're fighting, and my friend said, there's no, there's no fighting. It's just Jesus. There's a formation. Jesus just sneezes and everybody disappears. But I think about these things like, I can't die. That should free me up to live. What am I afraid of? My friend Dan asked me one time, I said, what are you afraid of? Because I was thinking about a, um, 
I was going to get surgery on something. And I said, he said, what's the worst that happened? I go, I don't know, I'll die. He's like, <laughs> he's like, you mean being ushered into the presence of God? And then, I, okay, I forgot. I, I forget this often. But he raised him from the dead. He dwells in you. So the word here for, this is an amazing word. It's from the Greek word oikos. The Greek word here is oi, oi, uh, oikos. And it, it means house. Or it means he's made his house. He's made his dwelling in you. I love Charles Stanley said, it speaks, this word oikos speaks of permanency. Oikeo, it speaks of permanency. Like Jesus came in, the, the Trinity came in, and okay, where do we put these bags? Because we're here to stay. Boom. And you can't get him out of there. You can't. He's moved in permanently. There's so much here. But like I said, we're going we're gonna to use this to talk about what, what does the filling of the Spirit look like? What does it look like in our daily lives? Because that's what we really, really want to know. Raised from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Twice in this passage, he refers to dwelling. Twice in this passage, he says, you are the church. You are the home of the Holy Spirit. If someone says, hey, how many people go to your church? Or how many people fit in your church? Like, I don't know, only one person can fit in here. This, I am the church. So the church is not a place where we, where we go to. We, we're the church that gathers. Okay. Now, from here, I want to illustrate, okay, this is, this is talking about a reality that, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. In Romans chapter 8, it's interchangeable. It's like the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that's all, that's all kind of used to talk about the spirit of God. And trying to grasp the the concept of the Trinity, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling, and I know that God is transcendent, and he's not limited to what I'm capable of understanding, but somehow this is all the same. But I want to point our direction, our, our eyes now, to certain ministries of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to illustrate it by using um, chocolate milk here. Okay, so I got my... Oh, this is good. This is good. It's going to make you guys thirsty, too. Okay. We are like this cup. That's all we are. We're just a cup. We have nothing to offer the world. Right? We're, I'm, just, I'm just a cup. I really, I really believe that. And until God, and then, so this, is, this milk represents faith here. And guess who's giving me faith right here? Boom. I didn't do anything to, re, to receive that. God saw me, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to give you some faith. And I think about the Holy Spirit. There are four permanent ministries of the Holy Spirit, at least four. And I think about it at ribs, ribs, R-I-B-S. Regeneration, indwelling, baptizing, sealing. We don't have time to unpack it here, but if you look at those words all throughout the New Testament, regeneration, indwelling, baptizing, sealing, there are four permanent ministries of the Holy Spirit that never go away, period, over and out. In Greek, it's the, they're all in the aorist tense, which is a fancy way to say past action, future ramification for eternity. These things don't go away. Like Sandlot, it's forever. Forever. You can't get them out. So look at this. So this, if this is me, and I have, if I have faith, and then this is faith in Christ, and then I have the Holy Spirit. Regeneration, indwelling, baptizing, sealing. Done. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit from which you've been sealed until the day of redemption. That's a long time. 
So now there's another ministry of the Holy Spirit called the filling ministry of the Holy Spirit. There's only one place in Scripture where we're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. So that's Ephesians 5.18. We're going to flash that on the screen here if you don't have that. But Ephesians 5.18 is an amazing passage because it tells us how to be filled. Paul doesn't leave us hanging. He doesn't say just be filled with the Spirit. He tells us how, and then he unpacks exactly what it looks like so we can follow it. So anybody try to get this chocolate out of here? You can. It's stuck in here. It'll never, that thing's, it's done. It's chocolate milk forever. Look at this, Ephesians 5.18. And do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. It is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. You don't, nobody has to raise their hands, but you know what it's like to be drunk? Well, what, is it, what does a person look like when they're drunk? They're, they're intoxicated. They're, they're a little, if you drive by and a police officer's doing a sobriety test, they're kind of like, whatever's filling them is controlling them. Whatever they're filled with is starting to have an influence on their behavior. In fact, if you drink and you drive, you could get busted for driving under the influence. So there's this picture that Paul's trying to paint. He's saying, don't be under the influence of this substance of, of wine, which leads to a lot of bad things. And the Debacus cult in, in Ephesus at the time was, was, a, was a nasty cult. Had to do with, with debauchery. But don't be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. But, now this is the exact opposite of the picture he's painting. But be filled with the Spirit. So if, it, if, the, if the analogy is the same, it looks like getting drunk with wine. The opposite of that is getting drunk in the Spirit. Maybe it'll take a little sip of the Spirit here, take a little sip here. And then he starts to influence my behavior. And if I keep drinking, then he's controlling that behavior. And then you can see it from the outside. So look at this. Here's the filling of the Spirit. Oh, well, the word filled here, it's, it's a Greek word, pleiruste, and it's, I'm going I'm to parse it right here for, for a purpose. It's present, passive, imperative. Present means it's happening now. Passive means it's happening to me. I'm not the one doing it. God's the one doing it. I'm receiving the action of that verb, and then imperative means it's a command, so you better do it. So we could translate this, Keep be being filled. Okay, it's happening to me. So that's just like this. The cup's not going to do anything, right? I'm going to do this to the cup. It's going to be, it's passive. It's going to receive it. And I just go and stir it. And after a while, what happens to this milk? You can see the change from the outside. You see that? You can see it from a distance. It becomes evident that this thing is chocolate milk, that it's changed from the inside out. Now, what happens if I stop stirring that thing up? Well, the chocolate kind of like, it kind of just settles at the bottom again. So this thing needs to keep be being filled, keep being stirred up. Let's try that. Oh, that's good. Okay, so that's keep be being filled. In the New Testament, this word for filled, whatever's filling people ends up controlling them. Jesus' first sermon in Luke chapter 4. Remember that? Right out the bat, he's preaching, and he's reading from the scroll Isaiah, and he's in, his, he's in his hometown, and at the end of the sermon, he goes, by the way, this prophecy is fulfilled here today. I'm the guy in the prophecy. And these guys were filled with anger. It says they were filled with rage. And what did they try to do? Try to murder him. 
what was filling them started to control them, and then they went to go grab Jesus, but he did some sort of like, woo and he just walked through. He's like, it's not my time. You're not going to touch me. In, in Acts chapter 5, remember these guys were filled with jealousy, so they threw Paul and his buddies in prison. Remember that? Whatever's filling them starts to control them. So the ribs are promises. All the promises of God are yes and amen. So it's thank you, Father, that I've been regenerated. Thank you that I've been indwelled. Thank you that I've been baptized in the Spirit. Thank you that I've been sealed until the day of redemption. Hallelujah. Father, I know you told me to be filled with the Spirit. So I'm going to keep being filled. Now, what's the means by which we're filled with the Spirit? This is the beauty of the word. Just keep reading. Look at the very next verse. Look at the very next verse. Okay. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled to the Spirit, addressing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart, giving thanks to God the Father, and submitting to one another. Wait a minute. You're telling me the means by which we're filled to the Spirit is singing, making melody, giving thanks, submitting to one another? Well, that's, that's what Paul says. He just, he just keeps going. Be filled to the Spirit. Singing, making melody, giving thanks, submitting to one another. And you're like, nah, yeah, I get it, but what does it really look like in daily life? Well, then just keep reading. Look at this. The next section is wives and husbands. A person, a wife who is filled with the Spirit will, will submit to her own husband as to the Lord. Now, this word's kind of tricky. It's a, I had to look it up in the original because when I got married to Jeanette, it was uh, 2007, and my, my buddy did the wedding, and he talked about submission. He mentioned this verse. And her aunt walks up and she goes, this is 2007. You don't have to submit to him. And I go, you don't know the original word here, lady. Supotasso. It's like, it's like I submit to my boss every day at work. So, hey, boss, what's our mission? I can get in line with that. I'm not going to get in front of you, boss. I'm not going to try to steer this thing in another direction. That's a spirit-filled woman is doing that. And a spirit-filled wife is respecting her husband. She's not talking trash on him. not putting him down. Oh, keep going. What does a spirit-filled husband look like? He loves his wife as Christ loved the church. He's not filled with the spirit of criticism, so he's putting her down. And hey, why'd you load the dishwasher like this? Why do you do this? Why do you clean like this? That's, I'm just making my own confession of what God's delivered me from, by the way. <laughs> it used to drive me nuts. What was I doing? I was being filled with the spirit of criticism. And it's, it's such a familiar spirit that the, even the world knows what it is when they see it. They can go, oh, that, that, that dude's got a spirit of criticism. They don't even know these are non-believers, but they can spot it from a mile away. Whatever we are filling our souls with works itself out into the body. That's psychosomatics. It's a, the psyche gets filled up, and it works its way out into the soma, into the body, every single time. The things we do with our hands start in our soul, and it works its way out. You want to know what a spirit-filled child looks like? Well, the parents are like, yeah, tell me. They obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. They obey their parents in the Lord. They honor their father and mother. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Man, this is awesome. Sounds like a spirit-filled father doesn't provoke his kids to anger. You know how you can provoke your kids to anger? You better get your butt in the car. It's Sunday. We've got to go to church. Thank you, Lord. That, we're... I mean, that, that provokes kids to anger. Don't yell at your kids to get them here. I'm preaching to myself, by the way. But, but the spirit-filled dad doesn't do those kind of things. 
The spirit-filled dad says, thank you that I've been regenerated into a baptized. So thank you, Lord. I, I, yes, filled with the spirit. Let's sing some songs. Let's give thanks. Let's submit to one another and get this thing going. It's a beautiful thing. What does it look like in the workplace? Keep reading. This is amazing, right? Like, this is my favorite section of the scriptures. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Man, that's pretty cool. I never ask God to change my boss. I ask him to bless my boss, change me. And the bosses I've had in the past, I've had some good ones, I've had some bad ones. But God gave me this new prayer of bless him, change me. Father, how do you see him? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ask, Father, would you change him? Because he's really getting on my nerves. No, it's, Father, how do you want to love him today? How do you want to express yourself to him? Okay, I'll get on board with that. You can do that through me, through my tone of voice and through my attitude and through my submission to authority. No problem. I'll get, I'll get on board with that program. What does it look like in spiritual warfare? Keep reading. It's at the end of this thing. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers, against evil forces of wickedness in the heavenly realms. Like, I, I don't have any tattoos, but, but if, I, if I did, I, it would be Ephesians 6.12, like right here. Like, I don't struggle with people. Okay. My wife is not my enemy. Okay. Nope. My kids are not my enemy. Ephesians 6.12 tells me that, my, that the enemy is evil forces, wickedness in the heavenly realms. So it frees me up. It totally frees me up. Nobody's my enemy. North Korea guy, he's not my enemy. He might be a victim of the enemy, believing lies. All these world leaders are like, oh, these are our enemies. ISIS is not my enemy. They're victims of the enemy who believe a lie about something, and then they execute it. And, and so I'm praying against that, praying against people to stop believing lies, and then it flushes its way out into their behavior, and then innocent people die. I know who my true enemy is. Okay, how are we at on time here? I gotta, I gotta wrap this up. I could talk about the spirit um, all day. Now you're hearing this, and I wonder if you're thinking, man, Ryan, you know, that sounds good, it preaches well, but I'm just not there. I just don't feel that. What if I told you that you are there? What if I told you that you have all the resource needed to live the life that Christ told you to live because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside you and has made his home in you? You know how I pray now? I never ask God for help. And I, I don't know, the psalmist asked God. I told my wife this the other day. There's a lot of people in the Bible asking for help. I don't ask God for help anymore. I say, thank you, God, that I have all the resources needed and like Romans 8 says, I owe nothing to the flesh. I don't have to react to this in anger. I don't have to react to this in bitterness. Ryder was in a wrestling tournament last April. We got cheated out of this one thing. And, and an assistant coach, he goes, you should be bitter. He just straight up said, you should be bitter. Hang on to that. I was like, no way. I can't. And Galatians 2, I've died to myself. So I, as these things come, I go, Thank God that I've died to how I want to react right now. Thank God that he is love and he wants to express himself. What does a spirit life look like? What does a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered life look like? I'll sing it for you. It's Galatians 5, 22 through 23. 
The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's VBS 1987, by the way. <laughs> That's what it looks like. I don't ask God to give me the fruit of the Spirit. I thank Him that I already have it. You know that song, one of my favorite songs by Matt Mayer, um, Lord, I Need You. Oh, I need you. I changed the lyric to that. To, uh, we used to do this in our house. I have you. Lord, I have you. So if my kid's like, hey, Daddy, can I be in the family today? I'm like, you're already in the family. You're already in. I don't ask God, would you help me today? I thank him that he's already given me all the resource I need to make it through whatever's in front of me. I thank him that he can express love to my kids. I thank him that during dinner, I don't need to react to anything in anger because the Holy Spirit doesn't react in anger. I'm just a conduit of God's love. No matter what comes my way, I just thank you, thank you. Father, let me just take a little time out here. I want to react this way. How do you react? Okay, you can do that through me. Okay, you can use my mouth. Okay, you can use my tone of voice. Okay, 30 seconds left. Let me close this in prayer.